Steve Bells. Steve's ministry, and after the message today, Pam has a few words to share around Stephen's ministry, about Stephen's leaders, ministers, and commissioning that we'll have for both the two persons and the 1045 service. So we just want to acknowledge that. So we're thankful. We're thankful people. And uh, as we give thanks to God, we know that God is planting even more fruitfulness within us so we can reach those who need Jesus Christ. Well, we might do a little review. Uh, as we've been assembling, you might say, uh, this person up here. We haven't given a name to this box person. Uh, but uh, we started out with the word form. Form follows function. And as we begin to find out our purpose in life, we begin to be formed in the shape of God's purpose. And then with that form, we have a formula. We have God's image, God's community, a part of us. And you have all you need. You may think that you've left out, God has left out something, but no. God has given us all that we need. And so God provides that for us. And I probably should insert here, I mentioned last Sunday, that throughout this whole part of bringing us together, assembling us together, is the, the Holy Spirit. Or we start out, the batteries are included. That we have this Holy Spirit moving in within us, our hearts, minds, and souls, our whole body, moving us forward to places where God calls us. And we have the shape of a heart here, and we continue to fill that up, and we'll see it filled up later on next, next Sunday as well. So we have our body here that we're putting together. But with a form and a formula, we also have inform. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I want you to be uninformed. And we are saying that as we're informed, that difference is good. And that your gift is different than my gift. You can make a difference with your gift. I can make a difference with my gift. But together, we do make a significant difference, internal difference. And then last week, we talked about the form of the cross, or cruciform, and how you are shaped by the cross. And that your gift, that as you sow, as you shepherd, as you as you so what is it now? As you seek, as you shepherd, as you sow, and as you as you give, uh, give generously, then through those four things you are making a difference through a, through your shape of the cross. So that's what we talked about the past few weeks. So today we are talking about the word uh, influence. Who has influenced you the most? What person? What mentor? What pastor? What other adult has really allowed you to be influenced to move you to a place where you find out, hey, I have called, God has called me to this, or God is leading me to do this. God is present, present in me for this. Who is that person that has uh, influenced you? Oh, I'm sure we could think of a number of people. Uh, this is probably one that you was fond of, the one that you get the most credit for. You know, just last yesterday I talked about uh, Charles Ray Barber at his service, and he was probably influenced by the Great Depression. He was influenced by his young years on the farm. He was influenced when uh, his uh, lost his sister uh, when she was uh, just at a very young age. That influenced him. But we have the Holy Spirit also, don't we? Our, our relation with Jesus Christ. How, how is Jesus influencing you? How is God's Word influencing you? John 13. 
where uh, we learn how uh, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Uh, straightforward. Hey, don't you like those persons that uh, are straightforward and the influence, uh, tell you how to do things, how to direct your life? You know, we, we take that, we receive that, but here's Jesus gives a specific example of how, how we are to live in this world. So the first thing we want to look at, and I'm using the word performance, and that's a, that's a, there's a lot of baggage around that word, but I think it's an appropriate word for us because it has the word form in it, perform, performance. And here we have Jesus has a performance demonstrated. And it's demonstrated. And the verse I picked up on is verse 5. He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And I, for some light purposes up here, I brought a chair and uh, a bowl and a towel and uh, the water. I have to think, where did Jesus come up with this idea? Historians say that there was probably some water or bowl next to the door. When someone walked in, they, they washed their feet. Now, in our home, we don't, when we come to the house, we don't wash our feet. We take our shoes off. That's what we do. But in that time, the first century, it was a common practice to come in, and there was a servant, maybe, that would, when that person came in, they would, a servant would wash the, that person's feet before they came in the rest of the room. You know, traveling around, dirt on your feet, and so forth. But here we have Jesus at the point when he's wanting to use every example possible. And Marie reminded us about how uh, Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Here we have another example of how Jesus showed the disciples how to lead. Of all things, Jesus becomes a servant at the door. And he takes a towel and, and probably the basin of water that's common and asks to wash Peter's feet. You know, I think uh, a towel and water very fragile things. They, you know, they're, they're common things. They're very fragile. They're just ordinary. What? Ordinary. But it seems that when Jesus and I have a little figurine in my office depicting the scene where Jesus gets on his knee and then washes Peter's feet using the water. Now, whenever I participate in a foot washing service a few times over the years, the reaction is more about the person's feet being washed person who's washing the feet. That's where I see the sense of reaction there. I, and I wonder, why is that? We're embarrassed about our feet look like. Oh, we don't know. How can anyone see, see my feet? 
when Jesus said, Peter, you know, all I need to make you clean is to, is to wash your feet. So there's something of a mystery. There's something of a simple belief where a disciple, using Jesus' example, helping someone else transforms that person. See, in the world of that day, and the world of today, it's exactly the same. The world wants to take the seat of honor. The world wants to take a special seat. Look how special I am. But Jesus is reinforcing the idea of, you know, if you want to be a servant, if you want to show hospitality, find out what that person needs and find a way to make them whole. And in this case, it was washing the disciples' feet. I place this empty chair up here as a symbol for us as a church to begin praying, to allow us to pray for a person that can fill that seat, that we can serve, that we can help, that we can show hospitality toward. Oh, not that seat, the seat beside you, the seat in front of you, the seats around you, praying for the person, how we can be an example for Jesus, a, a Jesus example for that person. This is what Jesus believed. Jesus believed his humble act of love would transform his disciples. That's what it says in our outline here, that Jesus believed. Isn't that what Christianity is all about? Belief? Belief in something or someone or some cause? Is it too... Is it too far to, to think that Jesus also had to believe that he was doing the, the right thing, a humble thing, this humble act of love to transform Peter and disciples? Jesus believed and he knew human beings, men and women, that, okay, you get into the disciples' dickheads, I'm going to have to show them how it's about. I'm going to have to demonstrate. I'm going to have to, if I just tell them, I'm going to have to get down on my knee and, and go to a place where it's going to make them feel uncomfortable so they know exactly what's going on inside of them. I'm going to wash the disciples' feet. And he believed that act and transformed them. That's why I ask the question, who is the person that has influenced you the most? In a moment, I'm going to show a little video here of, uh, this is Judy's grandniece, and uh, they live down in Texas. And I'm going to set this up because you can hear a few of her little words, but uh, basically it, uh, the dad's teaching, demonstrating, teaching her something. 
I just want to see if you could hear the words of what he's demonstrating. And then how this little one's engaged. Okay?
I, as a father, may have said, said that occasionally, not, maybe not those kinds of words, but to a child of mine, do you understand what I've done for you? I think um, how Jesus asked me is, do you understand what I've done for you? How this gift of service can be such tremendous if you only believe? So he began to probe to find out disciples did a gift. Or did it go another way to understand? Here's why. Jesus believed in what he was doing, but wondered if the disciples believed what he believed. Jesus believed what he was doing and wondered if the disciples believed what he believed. Now I use the word wonder because you're probably saying, well, Jesus knows everything. Jesus knew the disciples believed, or Jesus knew they did believe, so he teach them how to believe. An excellent teacher doesn't assume anything and begins to place the autonomy on the individual to, to decide. And not for the person, the teacher, the leader, to decide for them. And he's wondering, do you believe what I just what I believe? Do you understand what I've done for you? Do you believe this? Belief is a desire. Belief, faith, it carries the day. Belief is the main quantity, quality, resource of the church. If you don't believe, but Jesus believed. And why do you do what you do? Belief is so fragile. Belief is like a drop of water falling in the basin. We think that drop of water that falls in, in the basin doesn't make a difference, but it does make a difference. Here's a story about, uh, actually it's not about the right brothers. It's about the other person trying to get to the place of, of inventing or discovering or taking flight. I found this illustration and I want to share with you as, as they shared it. Most people don't know about Samuel Pierpoint Langley. Back in the early 20th, 20th century, the pursuit of powered man flight was like the dot-com of the day. Everybody was trying to try them. And Samuel and Langley had what we assume to be the recipe for success. Even now, you ask people, why did your product and why did your company fail? And people always give you the same uh, answer. It's this, either undercapitalization, the wrong people, bad market conditions. It's always the same three things. So let's explore that. Samuel Langley was given $50,000 by the War Department to figure out this flying machine. Money was no problem. 
He got a seat at Harvard. He worked at the Smithsonian. He was extremely well connected. He knew all the big minds of the day. He hired the best minds money could buy, and the market conditions were fantastic. The New York Times followed him everywhere he went, and everyone was rooting for Langley. Then, how come you've never heard of Langley, who invented flight? A few hundred miles away in Dayton, Ohio, Orville, what were right, they had they had had none of what we considered to be the recipe for success. They had no money. They paid for their dream with the proceeds from the bicycle shop. Not a single person on Wright Brothers' team had a college education, not even Orville Wilbur, and New York Times followed them nowhere. The difference was Orville Wilbur were driven by a cause. I like to say a movement. Driven by a cause, by a purpose, by a belief. They believed that if they could figure out this flying machine, it could change the course of the world. So Samuel Pierpont, Pierpont Langley, was different. He wanted to be rich. He wanted to be famous. He was in pursuit of the result. He was in the pursuit of the riches. And lo and behold, look what happened. The people who believed in the Wright Brothers' dream worked with them with blood, sweat, and tears. The others just worked for a paycheck. They tell stories of how every time the Wright Brothers went out, they would have to take five sets of parts because that's how many times they, they crashed before, before supper. Eventually, on December 17, 1903, the Wright brothers took flight, and no one was there to even experience it. We found out about a few days later, and further proof that Langley was motivated by the wrong thing, the day the Wright brothers took flight, he quit. He could have said, that's an amazing discovery. I'll improve upon that technology. But he didn't. He wasn't the first. He didn't get rich. He didn't get famous. So he quit. Someone wise once said, leaders hold a position of power and authority. But those who lead inspire us. So the right brothers are probably still inspired us because of their belief. Jesus believed and is wondering, do you believe? Do you believe in this movement? Do you believe in the humble act of love and service? Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Well, the last performance is using the word uh, commission. Commission. <coughs> now that you have know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. I think what Jesus is saying to each one of us today is that when you reverse the roles, 
and you've experienced the humble act of love and service and belief in, in you, then there's a time when you can find a way to acts of service, serving God, serving your brothers and sisters, serving the community. So if you believe as Jesus believed, you will attract those who believe what you believe. And there's a lot of weird beliefs in there, but makes the point, don't you think? Because you believe in yourself. But if you believe in Jesus, if you believe as Jesus believed, you will attract those who believe what you believe. As Jesus living in you. Show hospitality because of Jesus Christ. Believing in a movement. Believing in Jesus. Hmm. I wonder how Emma's doing. I wonder if she's learned that, that Lord's Prayer yet. Probably took a long time. Well, let's see. Let's, let's find out. Uh, let's find out what, uh, if she's learned that Lord's Prayer.
there for the students there. So you can mark that if you like, as your call today. Or a, a very practical one is I, I will write a thank you note and send either by letter, email, or text to a person who helped influence your discipleship journey. Who is that person? Send them a thank you. I'm sure they may be needing it. Finally, I would like more information about Stephen Ministry and the training need to be a Stephen Minister. We always need more Stephen Ministers because there's always hurting people out in the world. And the Stephen Minister does this act of service, humble act of love. Or you could uh, respond to one of the followings. Maybe you're interested in baptized. That could be your interest of talking to Pastor Kern about baptism. Or attending the Peace of the Pastor, how to become a member and things that are going on here at Trinity Church. Membership, service opportunities, what prayer, you know, pray for you. Maybe I can pray for you. Stephen Minister can pray for you. Henry can pray, pray with you and for you. Brandon uh, here, our deacon can pray with you and for you. And we'd like to talk to Stephen Minister. There's many ways that you can begin to connect to believe what Jesus believed. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, dear God, we thank you that it takes little ones to show us the way. God, it takes humble acts of uh, washing disciples' feet to, to show how vulnerable we are and be. Uh, God, we thank you that we know it takes broken people and that are mended back together by your grace, by your blood. So we thank you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we just want to honor you today with this prayer and with our lives. And we just know that you will continue to do great things in our church. In Jesus' name, amen.